Hi, I'm Crystal J, a writer slash teacher turned crusader for anything that will help high school students get more engaged so we can better prepare them for the future. My mission is to bridge the gap between teacher and learner by celebrating that we are all both. So I created Until the Bell Rings, poetry inspired by my time in the classroom. I'm sharing thoughts, feelings, observations, and lessons I've both learned and taught. Whether you are a student, teacher, parent, sibling, or simply enjoy poetry, I invite you to join me on a spoken word journey through the hollowed hallways of high school. They want to be diverse, but not too diverse, just diverse enough to claim it. I listened as they blamed it on the desire to save what's exceptional, this mosaic of complexions. But that is more conceptual in nature. It's not real, not like the feeling of knowing what they did, what they hid, from people they pretend to care for that they hypocritically say a prayer for as they pilfer their funds in the wake of what they've done. Some things seem too far-fetched to be true, like the idea of you corralling your black students for their admissions test, separating them from the rest to keep their presence unknown, their faces unshown, to make the ones that belong more comfortable to reserve a safe space for those deserving, those you don't want to risk unnerving. So you created a partition of sorts. For the refuge of some, you made refuse of others. Hardworking families that pay the same tuition for a lot less love and even lesser conditions that agree to live by your school mission even with your unspoken expectation of their submission. Where does it say in your prose about diversity that it's okay to be black, but not too black, be present, but without presence? I'm looking for the line in your handbook that says, you might keep some students secluded so they can expect to be excluded if ever they're being included would be alarming for their peers. So there may be times when you might be occluded, but only for the benefit of all all being everyone but people of color? Or do you even see them as people? Because in a Catholic school built on divinity, hidden away but in the vicinity, you corralled the black students like livestock into separate classes to protect the white masses. Do you see animals when you look at their faces? When they occupy spaces between lockers, do you herd them down hallways to lead them the right way? Are they like cattle, like precious calves up for slaughter at their own future alma mater, sacrificial sons and daughters? Or like dairy cows, those require corrals. Milk them for their value at this locale you try to pass off as inclusive, although I find your particular version of inclusion conveniently elusive. Or do you see thoroughbreds that you can use for athletic prowess to win you championships as they endure your judgment and quips about natural hair, dreadlocks, and twists? Bring your black talent, but not your black culture, and certainly not your black power, because 
They are not willing to share this hour, even though they would not be here without you. But let me tell you, they really don't know anything about you because if they bothered to learn, they'd feel no shame about you and they could never doubt you. You are a dream still coming true. You are possibility and promise, not leverage and commerce, and you deserve better. Not patronizing adulation, but equal consideration and opportunity within this community, a community that is supposed to teach you. But how can they expect to reach you when the opening lesson in your education is how to secretly execute your own discrimination? My goal for Until the Bell Rings is open and honest dialogue. That is so often the thing missing when any type of relationship takes a negative turn. Not being able to have open and honest dialogue is the reason why two years after I learned about one of the more overtly discriminatory acts that took place at my school, I can't rest easy. My heart is always heavy and I don't wanna carry that weight anymore. So let me recap for you. First, you should know a few things. One, part of the admissions process at Catholic schools is taking an admissions test prior to acceptance. So all the young hopefuls show up on a Saturday in January to take a standardized test. Two, I work at the only diverse Catholic school in the city. Three, my diverse school is diverse in student body only. There are a handful of black teachers, but in the almost eight years I've been there, there have been three presidents, three principals, two assistant principals, three deans of students, two admissions directors, and technically four athletic directors. One of those people has been black, but it feels like it only half counts because the one black person is a co-athletic director, and that's a position that was never a co until a black person got there. Coincidence? You tell me. In 2019, my school saw an influx of black applicants. This caused panic among the administration because even though they build their brand on diversity, they were unsure if white people would want to attend if there were too many black people. So when I say in the poem that they want to be diverse, but not too diverse, that's factual. The general consensus within the minority free administration was that the best course of action was to make two rooms representative of our demographic, you can't see it, but I'm quoting that phrase, and then put the rest of the black students, who, by the way, are paying the same application fees and eventually the same $10,000 plus tuition in different rooms. Understand, there was an actual meeting in which the administration decided that the best course of action was to hide the black kids. And then they took the time to ascertain the race of each applicant before assigning rooms so as to appropriately place him or her. Furthermore, they warned the teachers that volunteered to proctor the test that there would be a lot of black applicants in their rooms and asked them not to discuss with anyone the aforementioned influx of said black applicants. Let that sink in. Initially, I was only aware that a teacher had been warned by one member of administration, 
about the colorful room he was proctoring. For obvious reasons, this information did not sit right with me, so I set up a meeting with the admissions director. What she said to me was, I knew it was wrong when we made the decision. I'm sorry, we? That's when I learned the whole story. I then set up a series of meetings with various administrators, kind of working my way up the ladder. The assistant principal tried to convince me that the end justifies the means because the ultimate goal is to stay diverse, which is what makes us so very special. You know, the old discrimination to advance diversity strategy. The principal responded as appropriately as possible with, we effed up. And then we had a lengthy conversation about the realities of white flight and what is the solution. Now, as you know, I am all for open and honest dialogue, but I don't know what to say when the goal is to prevent people from leaving the school that would not want to be at the school if there were too many black people. What is the solution to making a racist feel more comfortable? Is there a dummies book for that? I never got to talk to the president of the school because due to unforeseen circumstances that I was assured were unrelated, his unexpected last day on campus was the day before our scheduled meeting. His abrupt exit also made for a lot of chaos in the front office, quickly putting the racist issue at hand on the back burner. At the time, I thought I could use this as an opportunity to help the school move in a more inclusive direction. And at first, they were open to dialogue. I was even made Director of Diversity and Inclusion. If you want to know how that worked out, that position no longer exists at my school. Although, honestly, I don't think it's the position they wanted to get rid of. I thought we all wanted the same thing, a more equitable environment for everyone in the building. I was naive. I actually think I was the only person that saw a problem. I wanted so badly to believe in the genuine goodness of every person involved. In hindsight, I know that rather than try to handle it quietly, essentially protecting, even enabling the administration to continue with discriminatory acts, I should have made some noise, exposed them loudly. Instead, Every time I look at the faces of the students who were there on testing day, whose parents pay full tuition like every other student, I feel disappointed in myself. I feel complicit. But for my own sanity, I have to let that go. I can't change the past. All I can do is be better going forward. Ooh, maybe the next episode should be about the importance of self-forgiveness. That's always a tough one for me. With all of that said, I would like to offer my official apology to those families who are deserving of far better treatment than you received. I am so sorry. I did not know how to do right by you at the time. But I spend every day reminding your children of how precious and worthy of love they are and how their only limitations are the ones they place on themselves. I truly believe in their capacity to accomplish anything or to overcome anything, and I make sure they hear me say it repeatedly. Oof, that was a little heavier and longer than usual, but it had to be done.
Once again, it has been my pleasure to share with you. Let's do this again. Join me next week for some more poetry and prose unraveling the best kept secrets of high school hallways. I'm Crystal J, and thank you for listening to Until the Bell Rings.